You're listening to The Essentials. The Essentials is a developmental podcast of the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. We develop kingdom workers for increasing gospel impact. With The Essentials, we invite you to be part of a conversation that asks the core question, what is essential in church ministry? Here's your host, David Dixon, with Nate Howard and Alan Rathbun. Welcome, everyone, to the seventh and final episode of the Essentials Podcast. My name is David, and it's been a joy to play the role of host on this journey. I'm here again with Nate and Alan, and together we have each grown personally through these conversations. Like, wouldn't you guys agree with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I do. There's a thing I think I like most about our team is that we engage in healthy conversations, and I can say that repeatedly, Whatever idea I started with or whatever concept I started with, it just got better the more we talked it through. Yes, absolutely. I just feel like I'm growing in our conversations all the time. Yeah, for me, uh, processing these things with you, of course, outside and then in even in these conversations on air, uh, have just been, I feel like every time we talk about it, it becomes clearer, it becomes more meaningful, or I'm taking it back to my family, those kinds of things. So certainly been a journey uh, that we've enjoyed walking together. Well, as we step into what is our our wrap-up episode here, I want to just take a quick uh, moment to remind us of where we've been. Uh, In our first three episodes, we laid out a framework of what we mean by essential. Uh, We asked the question, what is the essential end of church ministry? Or we framed it in the view of, is what is big to Jesus big to us? Uh, and we discussed our view that the that wholehearted transformation that comes from response to the gospel is the essential end of church ministry. And so as we work through that, then we began to look at in the next three episodes, uh, we talked about what are the essential means towards that end of whole heart transformation. And so we talked through this idea that we believe that the essential means is gospel saturated community that is filled with people that are gospel fluent, particularly in trial, boldly taking faith-filled risks on mission with Jesus and has leadership that embraces the challenges of change. And so to try and bring all of this together uh, in this last episode, we wanna share some final thoughts on the essentials by taking a look at the role that culture, metrics, and structures play in pursuing what is most important. So before we get too deep into this, Uh, Let's take a moment and define and give some examples of what we mean by these three things and and then how it impacts what is most essential in our churches. Yeah. So I think the first thing is on your list is, is culture. Right. And so culture is what's normal in our church. It's not necessarily what we want to be normal, but what actually is normal. I like to think of it as the soil of our church. So it determines what actually grows, what kind of seeds can grow in that. Um, and so culture is typically made up of several things. It's made up the language that we use regularly. Mm-hmm. So like you know, when I led our church, Community Alliance Church, we often said serving makes us stronger. And so it just became normal for people to serve and to have a good feeling about serving because they knew it would make them stronger. Uh, it also, culture is also determined by the stories that we share. Are, are we staring, sharing stories about people being changed by Jesus or other kinds of stories? Uh, it's changed by 
it's, I mean, it's formed by what it takes to belong. Uh, do new people have to initiate to get accepted into the community or are they drawn in by those that are already on the inside? That is a culture issue, you know? How hard is it to get in? Yeah. I'm using air quotes there because a lot of our churches- Pod- Podcast would, air quotes. Yes, yeah, podcast <laughs> air quotes because uh, you know a lot of our churches would say they're friendly and they might be on the surface, but then to really get into the community is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, another factor that uh, forms culture is what we celebrate. You know, are we celebrating change lives or do we find ourselves more often celebrating the number of people that came to an event? Like, oh, wow, we had 300 people at this event. Or, all right, how were people changed? Uh, I, I don't know. Well, yeah. you know but mm-hmm. it's normal for us to celebrate the number more than the life change. That says something about our culture. Uh, and then I think lastly, um, what we pray for. And, and this is something yeah. we need to observe. You know, do we find that our people are, are praying more about God's blessing coming to our church and us having the blessings for ourselves? Or are we praying about God's blessing flowing through our church to those who are still outside it? Yeah. You know, what category does our do our prayers fall into? That determines a lot about the kind of church we are and what we end up actually pursuing as our ultimate end. Yeah. Well, that was like a great synopsis of culture. <laughs> uh, well, I, that's such a difficult concept to wrestle. I think that really helps to frame us. Nate, talk to us a little bit about metrics. Metrics is easy. It's what we measure and how we measure it. So that becomes the basis of things like we what we celebrate, what, what Alan said. Um, our metrics is really our definition of what a win is for us, and yeah. we all want to know if we're winning or not. So we usually have um, measures of uh, defining that. So the classic one is found in the statement that pastors make when they meet each other, like at a district conference or at council. It's a it's a question that always drives me nuts. But they'll say, <laughs> "So how many are you running now?" Like. I don't even know what that means. We don't run (laughs) anybody. But the idea is how many people are attending or sitting through Mm -hmm. your Sunday morning gathering because that has become for us a uh, a prime metric. Uh, uh, It's what we measure and then we have means of measuring it. Yeah, and then the last one uh, is structure. And by that, uh, we're not just talking about the building or I don't want us to think <laughs> of this in a mechanical sense. Really, we're talking about the ecosystem, the what are the rhythms and habits of the church uh, that, that produce life uh, or not life within the church. So we're talking about things like, like programming. How often are people supposed to be at the building? How often are they not at the building? Uh, in terms of leadership, what's the benchmark for leadership? What are the different levels of leadership in the church? Who does, who calls people into various levels of serving and leadership within the church? And those are just a few examples. You can get into things like bylaws and uh, leadership structures and uh, involvement levels. Do people understand this is the path I'm on to grow? I mean, so there's various kinds of structures, but we're talking about those habits and rhythms of the things that we do on a week to week, month to month, year to year basis within the context of our church. I think it's important people remember that every church has those, okay? And sometimes people get afraid to talk about those things, but none of us would say that these systems or structures create life themselves, but they do create capacity for life to flow. Mm -hmm. Just like my lungs don't create life, but if my lungs are 
are healthy, there's more capacity for oxygen and for my body to work in a healthy way because the respiratory system is working well. Yeah, and I think that's important for, again, with all three of these, that this isn't a, if you just analyze and work towards the right culture, right. the right metrics, yep. the right structure, yep. it will produce this because there is a, uh, I, won't, I won't say organic, but spiritual component to this where it's, it's the ecosystem and part of that ecosystem is that we're being changed by Jesus. And then if that, if Jesus is not part of culture metrics structure, then really it doesn't matter how good we are at shaping or constructing those things. Right. So this leads us to uh, now look at, okay, we've been talking about essential end, essential means, whole heart transformation, gospel saturated community and now we're bringing these these three pieces in here and we're doing this because there's a, a reality component here for this that these things um, are great shapers or tools even within the context of uh, these essentials so so what are we seeing what what's the current reality what are how do these three connect to uh, these essentials? I think that uh, something is really important to understand is um, like that by by definition, culture is typically unnoticed. Mm. Like when we are in our own culture, we we typically don't even pay attention. It's so normal for us, we don't even recognize it. It takes an outsider to come into a culture or it takes yeah. us moving from our current culture to a new culture, which often we call culture shock, where <laughs> we start yeah. to recognize what is going on here. So what that means is, that there are these undefined things that are influencing the way we do church ministry. Mm -hmm. They carry weight, our culture, our metrics, our structure. They're leading us whether or not we recognize that they have influence on us. Sometimes the way I like to say it um, in a family culture is the, the culture of your family is like an additional member of your family who naturally pushes you to do the things that you always do. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say a family is going through or a church family is going through something difficult and it's hard to talk about it. If in your culture, you don't talk about hard things, that's just not the pattern that you walk in. When something difficult arrives, everybody will scatter to their room and nobody will talk about it. Culture has kicked in and has influenced that family system. Well, that's what happens for a church as well. A culture is leading or shaping, or the metrics which are part of the culture is leading or shaping what's happening in that in that church. And unless there's an adaptive leader, someone who is willing to embrace change and steps in and influences that culture towards that change, that church or that organization will never change. Yeah. And that's where it really connects to the end uh, mm-hmm. and the means, right? Because if we're being influenced in a, if by culture, by metrics, by structures, and it's determining for us what the end is and what, or what the means are, then what happens is, is we are still driven towards a, uh, a wrong end or we're using wrong means. So be real specific. So like if our metrics measure something that isn't an, 
essential end. So if we measure primarily how many people come on Sunday morning and we, yay, you know, we got mm, all these people right. or we're sad, sad, sad. We don't have all these people and we're measuring that. That's our culture. But what if we determine, wait, but just sitting here on Sunday morning, that's not really what our church is about. That's not the essential and not a bad thing. It's just not a primary thing. If we can't discern that and talk about that, um, we're going to be stuck in something that's really not helpful for us. It's not getting us where we want to go. Right. I mean, really, if your number one measurement is attendance, all you're really going to get is attenders, right? <laughs> not right. disciples. Well, and, you know, right. even another metric, and this is, we'll talk about this in just a second, but not all metrics can be measured by numbers, right? right. So we're talking about whole heart transformation. Yeah. Well, if there's, you know, if you're having regular meetings, regular Bible study, and in your culture, uh, this idea of transformation or how Jesus is changing us isn't coming up in the context of those conversations, then the culture is actually moving the end away from transformation towards a knowledge or a uh, external based end. Uh, and so that's where culture, even in the context of how we have conversations, how we lead people through the scriptures, how we teach others to do that, affect again, the culture of our church towards the end. Right. right. I mean, and so it, it shapes us. So, I mean, there are, there are pastors who w will really get bent out of shape, will really be upset if there are things that they know in their heart have to be addressed in their church. But if they address those things on Sunday morning, they know people won't want to be there. So if the if the goal is having people on Sunday morning, it will shape the pastor so he will stop saying the things that actually need to be said mm. to 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 lead people to whole heart transformation. And that was the book, um, Not a Fan, right? The, yeah. the book, Not a Fan, was all about that. The guy stood up and said, I'm going to, to destroy our church if I say the truth, but... I got to say the truth. And he found out that it, it was okay to say the truth, yeah. but he was being led by a culture and metrics and structure that actually went away from what's most important for the life of the church. Well, I think it's important to, you made a good uh, distinction there, David. I'll make sure that our listeners are hearing that again, is that a lot of times we can be dis kind of tricked into thinking metrics is always about quantity. Yeah. But good metrics are both quantitative and qualitative. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if a leader is leading at a like a small group leader at this point in time and that leader grows and matures and becomes an elder, that's a fantastic metric. If you have somebody that was just a brand new believer, they grow to being a small group leader and someday become an elder who is really wonderful. engaged in it. That's wonderful. a wonderful thing. And right. we should celebrate right. that. Which that actually comes back to your structure yeah, because the habits and rhythm. So yeah. that person becomes an elder when they're you know, inaugurated into eldership, whatever that process looks like yep. in your church, is there time taken to celebrate that? Mm -hmm. So it's the habit, yeah. you know, yeah. it, of do exactly. we share the story of transformation yes. of the life and say, this is part of why this person is being led to be, uh, or why we're asking this person to be an elder. Yeah. To be able to trace their pathway from how they've gone from to where they are is right. a beautiful thing that is worth celebrating. And then there's language that you're using to how you talk about that. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. 
Um, Remember the story you told about baptisms yeah. in Iron Mill, right? Like, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I, I would hope that every church is baptizing, but the question is, is what are the, what are the rhythms of how you baptize? Sometimes we don't even celebrate it. Right. right? So for like at our church, it was, we actually said, you have permission to clap and cheer as loud as you can. As a matter of fact, we want that. And then it, it changed the whole dynamic of when people were baptized and they came out of the water. I mean, literally, it felt like the ground was shaking because mm-hmm. people were being so loud. And that just signifies like this is something worth celebrating. Someone has moved from death to life. It is a big deal. And it changed. That the is culture. the essential end. Right. Yeah. Life yeah. transformation. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the other uh, current reality pieces that are there? Well, I think that we find it just difficult to measure the things that we find most important. Like it, yeah. It's just a challenge. I mean, there are certain metrics that are easier to measure uh, than, and others that are hard. And even our organization, the Christian Missionary Alliance, we promote metrics that aren't always what's most important. So sometimes it's upstream to try to move mm-hmm. in new culture metrics and structures. Yeah. yeah. And then we've mentioned this several times throughout the whole podcast, you know, there's there's spectrums that we kind of have to hold in tension with each other, like the organizational and the organic. Right. Some things are really organizational and some things you really can't force to happen. They are organic. But we have to hold both those together. It's not an either or. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or the spirit, spiritual and the structured. Right. They're not they're not they're, they're not, not against enemies. one another. Right. Yeah. They, you know, they they're things we have to hold on to both of them and figure out under by God's grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit how those work together. Yeah. They don't work by themselves. Yeah, I think nature is, is the perfect example of that, right? It, yeah. God instituted laws. He designed systems to work from how we breathe to how plants breathe. But yet also, there's also a sense of there are times when he would step in and, and move those laws mm-hmm. towards his grand purpose. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they all work together in the harmony of what Jesus is is yeah. working towards. Right. And like any farmer, right? They're out there. They're working with the organic all the time, you know, needing the rain, needing the nutrients of the soil. But there's a lot of hard work that they have to do. And there's rhythms and habits that they have so that they're doing their part, the two together. Right. Yeah. So as we think about current church culture, let's think this context of not just Eastern PA, but a little bit maybe broader in terms of national church culture a little bit. Uh, we've described some of the difficulties that are there throughout this podcast, um, but let's focus on these things, the culture, uh, measurements, structures, kind of what's led us to the place that we are now. What are some of the things that we have encountered or done along the way that have led us to this point? Well, one, one of the things that I, I think has happened that's brought us to this point is that we have allowed the culture and the, the metrics and even the structures of one place in time, which was perhaps great at one time, we've allowed what was to become normative for all time. And mm. so we find it difficult to break out of what was. Mm. So as I've observed this, I've, um, this is one of those kind of like middle of the night experiences where I wake up and there's like this list in my mind of characteristics of culture that's gone bad. So I have mm. six things I'll say them real fast. So characteristics of culture gone bad. Number one, the difficulty to distinguish between primary and secondary. So I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, We would all say it's primary to desire the Bible. 
and I was with the church leadership and they say, we held up the Bible and said, we want the Bible. We want the Bible. Like without, without a pause, he said, we want Sunday morning, Sunday evening and Wednesday night. So wow, what he okay. had done was he had shifted <laughs> from primary to secondary. He shifted yep. from something that's essential to something that's programmatic. Mm-hmm. And what yep. was um, what was really good at one time and one place is now normative for all times because the difficulty to distinguish between primary yeah, and secondary. That's a good example. The second is in doing that, we substitute obedience. Mm-hmm. Where if we are acting on something that's secondary, we hold it up as if it's a primary step of obedience, when in actuality, something's, obedience to something secondary can keep us from obedience in something that's yeah. primary. We substitute something secondary for, yeah. for primary. Yeah. Which is interesting because sh- I mean, one of the things we talk about culture is how people belong. And that actually shapes how people belong. Because if you don't meet that particular secondary standard, oh then word. you will never belong. That is so true. I, I honestly remember conversations in the first church that I served in where when it was time to nominate people for leadership, you would actually hear, well, they're only a Sunday morning person or this person comes Sunday morning and Sunday night, or this person is there Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And so somehow that person that comes all three times is more spiritual or something than the one that just comes Sunday morning. And wow. Yeah. That, it didn't feel right then. And now I look at it this perspective and I'm like, wow, why do we just make those substitute obedience right. things a measurement? Yeah. So it's just so important again to have conversations about yes. this. What's primary, what's secondary. And really are we, are we celebrating um, primary obedience or secondary obedience? The third would be uh, uh, again, these are characteristics of culture gone bad is that we, 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 we have not recent, but old stories of wholehearted transformation. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't have any current stories. We just talk about how it used to be and their old stories. So again, I was with um, a church and they were, you know, I was totally changed by Jesus in 1973. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he couldn't say. I wouldn't know that year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I see how it is, David. I was a sophomore in college, in high school, just uh, yeah, just to put it out there. I was a sophomore in. in, in I was in third grade. Yeah. So, uh, but, but he couldn't tell about what Jesus did last week. Like the gospel transformation was old, not new. The, the, the fourth characteristic is that the problem is always out there, not in here. Yeah. The threats of what's uh, happening in church ministry are threats that are external, not internal. Yeah. If everybody outside of our church would change, um, I've heard people say, hey, our doors are open. Like people know we're here. There's a sign on the on the street of like when our service schedule is. If they right. wanted to come in, they could come in. They just don't want to come in. Yeah. And the problem is out there, not in here. Mm, my goodness, that's heartbreaking. Uh, the fifth is a herd mentality, an insider outsider mentality. Like we feel safe to be with people that are like us and agree with us. Mm-hmm. And then the last is... Um, that the solution, the key to success will always be pro- programming 
effort and performance. So if we can get a better preacher that performs better, (laughs) if we can get just the right program, or if we just try harder, we're not trying harder. And then sometimes we use guilt to motivate people to try harder. Uh, So difficulty distinguishing between primary and secondary, substitute obedience, not recent, but old stories of heart transformation. The problem is out there, not in here, a herd mentality, and that, that programming effort and performance are the key to success. Those would be telltale signs that our that our culture, our structures, our metrics probably have gone bad. And what's interesting about that is really isn't like all of those things a, examples of why we need the gospel, right? Because each yeah. one of those is a bend Preach towards it. the external that right. in our sinfulness, we lean towards that which we can you know, ob- obtain righteousness on our own. Right. And so we actually need Jesus to break those things in us so that we might be able to actually lean into him, to have him save us, him guide us. Yeah, that is a hundred percent true. Another thing that's, uh, that's led us here, uh, in particularly in the area of, um, uh, like we think about like the life cycle of the organization here. Yeah. Uh, and I think Alan, you, you brought this up, uh, outside of our conversation, here, yeah. but there's a certain piece about the life cycle over our organization where the emphasis becomes not on because becomes more about the structure than anything else. Yeah. And it's normal for churches to have like a life cycle to them. You know, when, when they start out, right, there's all kinds of vision. Wow. Look what we really want God to do this through us. We want to participate and be a great church in God's eyes. And, and out of that relationships form that people are excited about what God is doing. And, and as that vision and relationship begins to overflow, then you have ministries that kind of emerge from that, those vision and relationships. And then as, as it goes on farther, it's like people need, well, we need to be a little more organized. This is like just, it's wonderful, but it's all scattered. Yeah. So now you have vision and relationships and ministries and structure, and that's usually kind of the peak of a church's ministry. And the first thing to go is vision. They lose sight of the ultimate end. And no, unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that's happened. They've shifted to preserving what they have rather than focusing on what God is leading them to be, to become. And so they lose vision. So all that's left is relationship and ministries and structure. And then over time, people feel like something's missing and there might be some conflict that emerges in the church, you know? And so relationships start to dissipate. dissipate. And now you have ministries in the church that aren't really changing lives, but they're still going on. And you have structure, you have boards and committees and budgets. But at the very end of a church, all that disappears and you just have left the structure and there's no life in it at all. And that puts people figuring out where they are on that life cycle is really important. Well, and again, it's, I think it's important to remember that that life cycle is part of the natural process of it. It's almost, there's not like always a way to stop it per se, but it's sometimes it's the acknowledgement of this is where we are. We need fresh movement. We need fresh. And that goes back to the rethinking ideas that we've Mm -hmm. talked about already. So when we've talked in the past that some churches exist just for their survival, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what that means in your model is they're holding on to their structures. Yep. They're holding on to their rhythms yep. and patterns, even though uh, their ministries are ineffective, mm-hmm. even though the relationships are broken, mm-hmm. and even though there's no vision. Yep. So the way forward isn't just structure, structure, structure. The way yep. forward isn't to just to rewrite your bylaws. 
the, the way forward is to rekindle the vision. And remember how, Alan, you have said um, relationships happen best around mission. Yes, they do. Like we 100%. don't just have relationships just to have relationships. So vision does lead to relationship, which leads to ministries, which leads to structure. But if all we've got left is in a dying church is structure, we can't just beat the dead horse of structure to go forward. No, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, one other piece that's led us here that I think it's we want to acknowledge is there's a, been a competition or a comparison uh, aspect to church culture, with especially in our American context, where productivity, success, or a sense of drivenness becomes the marker of success. We begin to get comparative or competitive in that, and that's really not healthy within uh, gospel oriented churches because it doesn't it doesn't lead to that it actually leads to greater emphasis on the externals mm-hmm. than it does to um, you know towards whole heart transformation and we can even swing ourselves towards uh, a, a sense of shame that we don't measure up to you know such and such a church or even other churches even within our own district. Um, but the reality is, is that each church faces its own unique set of challenges and that the transformational path that Jesus is leading that particular leader or church on may be different from place to place. Yeah, I think that's kind of funny. I mean, I've lived in Harrisburg long enough now. And Nate, I know you lived a long time in Vineland that you could look back and see that over periods of time, there were certain churches that rose to prominence and other churches would tend to look at, wow, look what's happening there. And then other churches would look at them and say, oh, well, if we were more like them, then we would be doing better, too. And it's just an endless cycle because eventually that church is no longer a, a one of prominence. Another church has risen up and people say, oh, well, if we were more like church B, uh, then we would be better too. And that, yeah. it's just an endless comparison cycle when we take our eyes off Jesus and his gospel. Another thing I think that has led us here is uh, it's a bit conceptual, but if we're looking at culture and shifting culture and if we're looking at structures, the, the gifts that lead towards healthy structures, the the gifts that lead towards a sense of stability that comes from that, always tend to make God's people feel comfortable because structure makes us feel comfortable. But gifts that lead towards the gospel to new contexts, like taking the gospel where it hasn't gone, those gifts always make us feel uncomfortable. Mm. So let's say the... It's the culture or the structure of a church to gather together on Sunday morning, sit and listen with minimal interaction with other people. That structure makes people comfortable. But how does that affect the life of the church? Is it leading us towards what's really essential? And if the gospel is going to go into something new or different, it's always going to make us feel uncomfortable. So the bottom line is what's led us here, we always prefer comfort. We always prefer what's most comfortable. That's right. It goes back to what what Jesus came to, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And we don't like the second half of that. Yeah. <laughs> so if we if if we had in a church culture, metrics and structures that were aligned with the essential end of whole heart transformation and lived out in the means of a gospel saturated community, like what would look different? What would be some of the things we'd have to give up uh, to go from where we are to that kind of a framework? 
Well, I said it earlier, but there's a reason they call a change of culture a culture shock. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we'd have to experience is uh, it's going to feel different because culture is what we're used to. So if we're going to shift our culture, measure different things, play with our structures, we have to embrace um, that, that it's going to require a leadership that leads people to do yeah. things that aren't uh, intuitive. It, it isn't what we would naturally do. Yeah. And the loss, the loss of that, the grieving of the loss of the things that it takes to be able to, to move that direction. But it's yeah. worth it because if our, our culture, our metrics and our structures are all focused on increasing um, what's essential, like whole heart transformation, that we are changed people that are instruments of change in our community, well, by the grace of God, we're gonna see an increased participation in a sense of the gospel impacting our lives in our community. I mean, that, that could be really a wonderful payoff. Oh yeah, I mean, I just think about the joy. Yeah. Uh, like I think about uh, one of the things that happened at our church, Iron Mill, is it was normal for people in our community group, our, our small group, to talk about who they were sharing the gospel with. Mm -hmm. And even if it wasn't me doing it, I was hearing that story from somebody else. And that was it was encouraging. It was exciting uh, because it was obvious that Jesus was at work in the life of his people. And there's there's a, a level of, of experiencing Jesus in that that you can't replicate. Yeah, and I, you know, going with that, we we want it, we long for it to be normal in our churches for people to talk about the gospel as it relates to their heart. You know, how how are they trusting the persons of God, the promises of God and believing that they're actually doing all of life with God and to talk about that together so that they're actually being changed by Jesus together mm -hmm. instead of just talking about the knowledge that they're learning, actually talking about how do they truly believe what we are called to believe as believers in Jesus. Um, you know, last session we talked about leadership and uh, the kind of leader that embraces change. So uh, what would be different is that our leaders would become shepherds of that culture. Mm -hmm, we yeah. would, we would be taking culture serious. Again, culture is not something we normally think about because it's just so normal, but we would be people who are able to step up a bit or step distant a bit from what's happening and we'd be able to evaluate it. We'd be able to mm -hmm. say, are our current structures and, and our programming, our, our habits, our patterns, our, what we measure and what we celebrate, are those things really leading us towards what is essential and we would probably start to get used to making some tweaks along the way. Like yeah. we're going in a direction, but the leadership would say, you know, we have to make some adjustments here. And in that sense, we would become a nimble organization. We'd be, mm -hmm. we'd be more like a plant. We, we wouldn't be like a brick wall or a concrete mm -hmm. wall. We would be like, there'd be a, a bit of shifts and the vine would start to go not crazy. It would still have structure, but would start to move in a new direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if we see culture as the soil of our church, then we're recognized that it's really our job to always be checking on the nutrients of the soil. Right. Uh, my dad was a big garden guy and I, and I have this vivid memory of when we first planted a big strawberry bed, you know, that he took a soil sample to figure out what the PhD or the PhD. Uh -huh. <laughs> I forget the name PH, of that PhD, yeah. PH, not right. PhD, PH level of the soil was. And and that was great. He planted strawberries based on that. And But the next thing is he comes back next year 
and checks the pH level Isn't again because it could have changed. He right. always checked the soil yeah. every year. And wow. that really, I mean, we had some productive strawberry beds, let me tell you, and it was good. But it's because my dad cared about the soil that those strawberries really were good. growing yeah. in. And as pastors, we have to see ourselves as cultivators of that of the soil of our church. So we would say that that soil is going to be related to the essentials. Yeah. That it is resulting in whole heart transformation yeah. by the gospel, that there's a sense of community that is yeah. gospel saturated, particularly having conversations in the difficulties of life, mm -hmm. that they are on mission together yep. and where leaders are actually like leading their people to something healthy. That would be some soil yeah. stuff that all of these structures like uh, are to be built around. Yeah. 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 And I think that's where, you know, this, even the idea uh, you talked about, about constant evaluation or, you know, looking at where we are at uh, as a church or as a people right now, I wouldn't say there's a, uh, you know, evaluation isn't always seen as a health, uh, healthy thing. Sometimes it's, it's often seen as a negative thing, right? Because mm -hmm. we have these yeah. evaluations or, uh, you know, we don't call them evaluations. Sometimes we call them profiles now because we don't <laughs> like the sound of evaluations. But a lot of times what happens is, is we walk through those and then we just look at the negative things, um, or the things that maybe aren't going as well as we'd hoped. And we can walk out of that with a sense of like shame or we attach too much personal significance to it when really uh, evaluation is meant to be a healthy thing. It's meant to celebrate the good that Jesus is doing in our church and it's meant to call uh, our attention to parts of the soil that need work or yeah. nutrients that need to be added in or structures that need to be changed so that the plant can get the light that it needs. You know, it's not meant to be negative or shameful. Yeah. And a lot of that happens when we attach personal identity to the evaluation. Right, which is, of course, that's where the gospel comes back that's in right. once yeah. again, right. because if we're afraid of evaluation, it's probably because we're finding our identity in maybe the numbers aren't high enough or or where our identity is what people are staying or going or coming or whatever from our church. That becomes our identity. And we're afraid of actually assessing that. Why? Because we're not really grounded in the fact that we are beloved children of God and uh, members, citizens of his unshakable kingdom, and that that's our identity, not the rise and fall of the church numbers and things right. like that. Yeah. Uh, that makes so important for us to be grounded in the gospel, to actually be able to handle evaluation and to, and to take it for what it's worth. Yeah. So in order for us to be able to move forward in this, what are some of the questions we're going to have to ask, ask ourselves? What are some of those evaluation or questions of culture, measurement, structure that we're going to have to ask ourselves to be able to move forward? So I got a hard one. Um, it's like a in your face, hard one. So right now, the culture of our church, what we measure and the structures of our church are producing something. The question is, what kind of disciples are we currently producing? Mm -hmm. Like, would we be able to say that whole heart gospel-based transformation is the natural outcome of all we're doing? And if not, what are we producing? That's a that's a mm. question we're going to have to ask ourselves. Yeah, uh, it's it's sad, but a reality is that typically whole heart transformation is more of a rare occurrence in churches rather than a regular occurrence. Again, going back to what I said earlier, are the stories that we're telling old stories or current yeah, stories? Like, sure. can we talk for about sure. what Jesus is doing in our life and yeah. in our community over the last six days? Yeah. 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 yeah I, you know, 
in that as well is we can ask the question, what is normal in your church? Mm-hmm. You know, is it normal for people to be interacting with their neighbors with the hopes of sharing the gospel Amen. with them? Mm-hmm. Are they praying for their neighbors? Or is it like, well, no, evangelism is the job of the church and the pastor to get that done. You know, is everybody yeah. engaged in mission? Is that normal? Uh, is it normal for uh, people, everyone to welcome new people? Or is that just like you have like one or maybe the pastor, maybe one other person. Oh, those are the people that welcome people in. What's normal in your church? Ask that in as many ways that you can about as many things that you can. And that's going to help you understand the directions and changes you need to make. Yeah. Another great question around uh, metrics is what do you know, the metrics that you celebrate or record or put in front of people the most often, what does that say that you value the most? Mm. Um, you know, so like one example of that, I'll never forget hearing a church say, well, we had this outreach event and the only measurement given for the outreach event was how many people showed up to the event. Mm-hmm. And so the value out of that became you know, the, the measurement of an outreach was around how many people came. So there was no, you know, and that was it. And so the value is we care more about people showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with that is what secondary things eclipse what's primary. Right. Because mm-hmm. people yep. showing up yep. is important, it's, but it, in a secondary it, it sense. Yeah. <laughs> if nobody shows up, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but if all we have is an obedience that's to the secondary, we right. have to yeah. pause and say, have we given our obedience to what's primary? So what secondary things have eclipsed what's primary? And yeah. can we differentiate between those two things? Yeah. And that's where I think it, it becomes, when we talk about values, it is that primary, secondary. It's what do we value most? most right. What's uh, essential. And so it's right. essential. Yeah. Not that right. we can use that word too much. <laughs> um, I, I think that whole question that we asked earlier, does um, are we being led by our culture, metrics, and structures, or are we leading them? Mm. Are we shaping them, or are they shaping us? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. Which goes back to the, are we, are we looking at the culture of our church? Are we looking at the culture of the world around us? Are we, are we studying those things? Right. Are we evaluating those things? Because we can't even know if we're being led by them if we don't have a great understanding of what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we wrap up uh, this final episode, uh, this has been an amazing journey together of walking through the sure essentials. Has. And I want to encourage you, uh, if this is one of the first episodes you're listening to, make sure to go back and listen to the others, uh, as this one will make even more sense uh, after you've listened to all of them along the way. But if you'd like to continue to engage in these kinds of conversations, uh, we've created uh, some some discussion questions for you. Uh, You can find them on our website at epdalliance.org slash essentials. And we'd love for you to be able to look back at the, this series of podcasts to be able to share them with your leadership team, uh, to give them the questions and and to interact with them, Uh, grab other pastors uh, near you and engage through these discussion questions and begin to have these conversations about what is most essential in your church. And so as we close, we want to say thank you uh, for joining us, not just for this episode, but for all of our episodes. And so we want to share with you some of the hope that we have uh, or hope that springs out uh, in our district from these conversations about what is essential. Yeah, for me, I I have a lot of hope that, I mean, we're seeing momentum being gained and people having conversations about what it really means to make disciples who are becoming like Jesus, wholehearted wholeheartedly transform disciples. Those conversations are increasing. And to me, I'm excited about the, the long-term fruit of that. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, I look like far down the road and I if we could orient our hearts around what Jesus says is most important, mm, 
Yeah. W- the the level of transformation that we would see, not just in individuals, but we'd see churches rising up, tr- disciples being made, churches planted. I mean, it would be beautiful to mm-hmm. see the kingdom grow in that way. And to do that together. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I envision our district as a network. And so to be not isolated, not scattered, that we're not on our own and, and trying to do this on our own and alone, but that we're together and in the togetherness, we're growing, we're being developed, we're being changed people who are introducing change around us. And it ultimately results. And what's most important is that the gospel would impact lives, that people would be changed because of Jesus. So that's that would be my hope. Well, thank you again for listening to the Essentials podcast. We have enjoyed this time with you. Uh, and for all of us, let's continue to talk about what is most essential in our churches. Thank you for listening to the Essentials. To join in our conversation, please visit epdalliance.org slash essentials to find discussion questions for your church and more content related to increasing gospel impact. We hope you will join us for our next episode.